Welcome, everyone, back for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been offering news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Verizon 200 this past weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Steve, welcome back for another episode of the podcast, fresh off the trip to the Brickyard. Um, And as we talked about last week, you guys were on hand for this race because it was a very special weekend for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And if anyone's listened to this podcast before, we are huge fans of them and huge supporters of pretty much anything they do. Yeah, this was a a nice uh, ticket package setup that they had. Uh, You know, it was 75 bucks per seat. You got the uh, you got the. uh, uh, the, the shirt oh, I got it. And it's in our, in the wash. I don't have it on right now. It's a beautiful purple shirt with the Alzheimer's stuff on the front and the big number 12 on the back, uh, cooling towel, um, and, and, and seats. And then a Q and a on Sunday morning, uh, day of the race, uh, inside the track there with all your fellow fans. Um, uh, it was great, great event. We got out there Saturday. Um, they had the Ryan Bellini family foundation actually had their own tent on the midway, so you're able to actually purchase some of the cool merchandise. Uh, my, my wife has a, a koozie, um, the purple and, and, and white and different shades of purple that, that they put on the stuff. Uh, it's really awesome. Um, got to talk to Patty Auber, who helps run the, run the foundation. And uh, they were pretty excited for this one. They got, actually got more people than they thought um, for the sales on it, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and they're going to do some things like this in the future this year. There's some things that tracks upcoming. I uh, just, everybody just keep an eye out. I don't want to trample on their, uh, um, on their release of things. Cause I'm not exactly sure what or when, but uh, there are a couple things in the next couple weeks, probably coming up that you might want to get your hands on and they'll do some really neat things. And it's worth getting the tickets through them because you get these extra bonus uh, things out of it. Yeah, I thought it, the whole thing was really cool. I was really sad I wasn't able to uh, to get up there uh, to, to Indianapolis for anything. Um, but it was awesome. They seen all weekend long. Their social media was great. They're posting photos and things of the uh, of the tent that they had set up there. I was jealous because you could get all that the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation merchandise. They had the hats and shirts and like a, you, Steve, if you're watching the video episodes, holding up the cooling towel. Um, coolest one of the other cool parts of the weekend uh, was seeing the photos from the Q and a session uh, that was hosted to look by, uh, by like a local radio station. Um, but the like sea of purple shirts. So it did seem like, you know, you guys went on Saturday, picked up your shirt, your shirts from the package. And I know you, and I think I, we retweeted this on our account. We're encouraging everyone to make sure they come back on Sunday, wearing the shirts. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a lot of people did, and it made for some great photos uh, yeah. and helped spread Alzheimer's awareness, which was the, the whole purpose of the weekend. Yeah, our friend uh, Stella Narius came from NASCAR, Sci- NASCAR Siberia with a couple of her friends. Um, so it was really cool to actually finally meet in person. Um, and uh, it, it was just the coolest thing. You know, the, the gentleman uh, from the radio station did a nice little uh, couple questions with Ryan. And he didn't have a lot of time. You know, it's early on. It's the first. Uh, the gates basically opened like 20 minutes before this started. So um, those of us who knew about it went there first and were standing there first. And some other fans showed up, which was cool. Um, at the tweet up was actually happening a couple hundred feet away from us. Uh, Bob and uh, NASCAR chasm were over there, but uh, it, it was really nice. And, and Ryan goes to take questions from, you know, the people standing there. And of course, only going to be able to take a, a question or two. And somebody pointed out this little guy, I mean, couldn't have been no more than five years old. He's wearing stuff. He's got the hat on. And, 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 and he asked uh, Ryan if he could autograph his hat for him. That was, <laughs> I think I saw the pictures. Yeah, that was oh, great. Oh, it was the most awesome thing ever. That, that look on that kid's face and, uh, and, and the smile on Ryan's face too. Cause it's just, he says that was the easiest question he's going to get all day. <laughs> and um, there was a question or two more after that that uh, were pretty cool um but it was it was really nice to get uh, to get that kind of interaction and it was a little more intimate than you know 
tens of thousands of people trying to, you know, tromp all over each other to get to somebody. So, um, like I said, they're going to do some cool stuff like this in the next uh, couple of weeks, I think coming up. So keep an eye out on all their social media. And then once again, what it was, we find out about it, we'll do what we do and put it out there also retweet it or repost it or whatnot. Um, and I, I know some others like Mandy Morris or something like that. will put it on a couple of their message boards. So we'll get the word out there. Absolutely. One of the other benefits you mentioned from this uh, ticket package that you got through the foundation uh, where a lot of you guys got to sit together and, the the location of the seats i would have to say i know you, you were there last year and you set a little bit different spot location of the seats ended up being in the action part of the track specifically for this race i don't remember this race being and maybe it was overshadowed by some of the the turtle issues they had last year but yeah. this race was just insane going into turn one and that's right where everybody that bought these uh these foundation seats were yeah, it was the, the, they call the stands, the Northwest, Northwest visa. And, um, Patty said that, that, the you know, they told her they were good seats. She wasn't sure, you know, especially knowing the track, uh, but not knowing the rate, how the, how the road course sets up within the track sometimes, but they were, they were down, um, almost they were in the bend of what would be the, the tracks turn four. Um, they were about three quarters of the way up the stands. So everything coming off of the, the, the main straightaway into that right-hander into turn one, the turn two, turn three, the loop around turn, you know, up, up to the back stretch. You could see all of that, um, that access road basically was right there. So you once and over once in a while, you'd see a car come out of nowhere to you, you're looking at turn one and yep. then down to your right, you kind of see this access car coming down the access road. You're going, what the heck's going on there? You know, and then on the track, it's inside of the track itself there is a huge um, uh, TV screen there. So once the action goes away from you and, and, and onto that area up in Stearns 9, 10, 11, 12, back in there, and you can't see everything, it's, it's still on the TV screen, all the main action at least. Um, we also were there for the, for the tornado. Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard about that on, on DVC. And I saw some video of the, uh, the tent uh, flipping around in the air and near the track. My wife was, my wife says there's an umbrella that went flying and then she points over to that area there and it's on the inside of turn one. Um, there's a grassy, like little grassy hills and stuff that some people, general mission are standing on those hills uh, and, and have tents and stuff. And she saw the umbrella first go up into the air a little bit, and, you know, whatever. And then you could see a spiral of air. Just, you know, there's no, I mean, there's, it's a partly cloudy day. Yeah, it's not it's not a thunderstorm coming in or anything. It's just the spiral of air out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden this 10 by 10 tent is airborne and it's just up into the air, 50, 60, 70 feet. And then starts blowing toward the track. And then it's coming into the track. And the next thing it's, oh, it's into turn one. And the next thing, you know, the 51 car is running around it. And, and, and somebody on, t- she says she picked it up on Twitter that they said, don't become part of the highlight reel. Or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it would have made that even better as if it was a, uh like a sponsored tent from the fan zone. Cause they would have got some fun, some fun coverage there. Maybe if it was yeah. a Coca-Cola tent flying around or a U.S. air force tent flying around or uh, uh, that was airport, really, really funny. The, the air force had enough publicity. Yeah. They had their own problems. <laughs> they, they got stuck trying to leave the, the, the premises on and went through a tunnel. They, they didn't probably come in that tunnel originally. So it's twice this year. They had some, not them, but uh, a truck series hauler had an issue going out of Atlanta in the, in the spring race. Yeah. Um, yeah if you, you just got to make tunnel. sure you go in the tunnel. You, you came in, <laughs> go out yeah. in the tunnel that you came in. So, yeah, it, it was lucky that that tent thing happened. It happened during a caution. So boy, it would have been really crazy if they would have come barreling into turn one and that thing was coming down on people. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, so you guys were basically, uh, front row for pretty much that's where all the action happened for the most part in this race um, for the better or for worse. The, the, the reactions to this race have been pretty mixed um, with the next gen car uh, a lot, especially this point in the season, especially since they've beefed up things like tow links and things like that. Uh, you've seen a lot more contact, a lot more disregard for your fellow racers um, and just so many people what either had to take the access road or pushed out into the grass spinning out. Um, I mean, you probably all day long, you probably saw guys driving through the grass or uh, Mm -hmm. spinning or uh, a variety of things all into there that, you know, for me, you know, watching the race live, 
I thought it was very exciting. I'm sure if you were there in person for you guys, probably exciting because you're seeing pretty much everything happen right there in front of you. Um, when I take a step back at the end of it, I'm like, was that really, is that really what we want to present to the world that that's NASCAR racing? We've talked about this before in previews and we talked about it on our episode last year, uh, before and after the race, whether or not, uh, we think they should go back to the oval. I know you've said, you know, the oval has been boring, stick with the road course. Um, tons of shenanigans happen in this race. The one thing, uh, well, and we can talk about it now that your experience now, again, whether you're for or against going back to the oval, um, I would say the TV viewers spoke because this race was on NBC last year. It was on NBC again this year. So it's not one of those situations where we're going from NBCSN or cable network and then comparing viewership to going back to the, uh, the mothership at NBC, but ratings were up eight percent for this race year over year 3.37 i think million people tuned in the highest rated motorsports of the weekend and um so i don't know i don't know if they still now fan attendance from what i understand they said was around sixty thousand people that's kind of what they were getting for the oval race anyway so i don't know that it's really affected attendance that much but tv viewership you know to be up 18 percent seems like a pretty huge number and might make the decision to when I think Roger Penske's already kind of said they're going to go back to the road course next year, but even for the future, I don't know. I don't know if you can deny that that's maybe what TV viewers want. And to some extent, that's really what matters the most. These things are all about uh, tweaking, you know? Um, okay. So this is only the second year of running this. Um, we discovered between year one and year two that we got to get rid of some curbing have to change the way the track is, have to put in track limits. Um, year two, now we've got some problems with coming into the braking zone um, in a turn. So on a restart, late in a race. So we're going to have to discover some things to change that. But that's the thing is that each year brings you some new things that you're going to have to change and alter. And uh, the experiment, if it's allowed to continue, you'll get better at it. You know, the access road thing that they, that was new, but they discovered that it was an advantage, not a disadvantage. So now next year we have to make it so that it's actually a disadvantage to do it or use it. So, and they'll figure out a way, they'll figure out a way to make it a different angle or make it take longer. Or maybe it's just a stop and go penalty. If you use it, you have to stop and go at the end of it, something like that, you know? So all those type of things are, you know, unfortunately year to year learning experiences, but if you getting ratings like you got, and it becomes the show that it's become, then you just have to, tweak some things to, to, to make it, um, the racing itself a little better and, and, and the racing itself for the most part for about 90% of the race was really good racing. There was varied strategies that we're going to get into and, and so forth, but you know, the end ending, uh, you know, late restarts road courses or late restarts anywhere. Well, I don't even know I need to say how many times the guys barrel into the, into an oval to turn one and decide that I'm just going to send it to see what happens, you know, and maybe I'll get away with it. Maybe I won't. Um, so there's just a lot of that, that, um, it hurts guys who, who try to race cleanly, you know, unfortunately. So we have done a, a pretty lengthy intro segment here on generalities about the race, but obviously we're here to talk about Ryan Blaney and the number 12 team Penske Ford Mustang. So let's do it. It's not wasting any more time. We'll jump right into our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Okay. Uh, Stellanarius asked me about, did you bring your notebook? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I can do this. I got it. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what you're doing. I've said, I, I can, I've done, uh, done it a couple of times now where we went hit the road and I didn't bring the notebook. It's like, we see certain things and sometimes that adds to what you, you know, takes notes on that later on. But, uh, uh, Saturday's practice, we were actually on the road heading, heading toward Indy. Um, and, uh, from the combined practice times and everything, he was like third quick to 2.71 seconds off the two car. Um, so practice went pretty well. And it's interesting with road course practices, you want to kind of watch, you say you're watching timing and scoring or maybe on your phone, like I do. And the first lap, throw it out the window, just, you know, certain guys. Oh yeah. They go nail the first lap. But Ryan is one of those guys that wants to get the rhythm, you know, Look at him two or three laps in and see what happens, you know, and, and that's exactly what, what happens. Second lap, third lap, fourth lap, you know, boom, all of a sudden way up the board. And it's like, well, you know, he's gotten out there. 
gotten a feel for the car, gotten a feel for the braking zones. And then he finally hits a lap, you know, and then by the end of practice or, and then into qualifying, hopefully he's got that down. Because, you know, they've, uh, so they've in- ran this course last year, but in a completely different car. Um, yeah. So if it was me, I'm not going, you know, <laughs> the, you know, head on into the, into the first turn. And I mean, you saw people do it. I think Hamlin his first time through into the first turn took the access road immediately. So uh, I would gingerly make sure I'm comfortable with the course like Ryan did. And yeah, at first I was like, Oh man, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> Real slow. Like you said, a couple laps in. Uh, okay. This is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. So they get uh, the, to the qualifying and uh, it's actually kind of the same qualifying as what happened the week prior. Um, he, he gets in his group, he's fifth in his group and just barely makes the final. Um, but once again, you know, once you're in that top 10, you know, anything can happen. And sure enough, he puts up pretty good lap and ends up uh, sixth on the board to start the race um, with uh, the eight on the pole. So, you know, we know who has the speed and uh, definitely the eight has the confidence um, and he'll show that as the day goes. But uh, um, so P6 for Sunday, Sunday's race day is uh, stages of 15, 35, 82, seven sets of tires. Uh, we're only going to need two, uh, fuel run of 36 to 39 laps. Um, and that's important too. Uh, you, you know, this ends up being part of this two, two pit stop strategy, uh, to the rear is the, uh, 10 and the 51, uh, Ryan starts sixth. And, uh, by the end of the first lap, he's actually an eighth. Now, once, um, there's only a couple restarts this race because there's only you know, the, the stage breaks and a couple of cautions late, but the leader has the only one who has a cho- choice and he takes the inside going into one. So that lane, it gets the better start. So if you've got an even number and you're on an even number start, you're going to, you're probably gonna lose a spot or two getting through all those turns and, and heading up the backstretch. Um, at lap eight though, he's up to seventh. And by lap 12, there are some of the cars starting to pit before the end of the stage. Um, so Ryan is part of the strategy is to stay out at this point. Now, this is, you know, a lot of these strategies will deal with um, whether uh, the, you know, the start off with the race being green the whole way. Okay. That's the first thought is if it's green, we're going to do this. If there's a caution at some point, then it changes, but all these strategies will change based on certain things. So uh, the number of cars that pitted at this point, actually, I think helped change the strategy right off the bat because a certain number of pitted and you know, you're not going to lose too much position based on the number that pitted. Um, so they do stay out for the stage here. And um, we and talked about this before the race, thinking that they mainly would just, well, are they going to go for points today? Or are they going to go for the win? And, you know, we were talking about, ah, oh, they're probably just going to go for the win. And I think in the end, at the moment of it, which, you know, I, I apologize. I still, still bother you even when you're at the racetrack <laughs> with questions and things, but I'm saying, I'm like, Oh, I thought, I thought they were going to go for the win in this one. And at the moment it did seem like, Oh, they've switched. They're going to go for the points here. I thought they mm-hmm. maybe thought they could have got the the playoff point, but Briscoe stayed out for the playoff point mm-hmm. for some reason. I'm not sure yeah. he really needed yeah. it. Um, he well, does have no, a win already. He has well, a win he's already. In, he's yeah. In, yeah. It, it helped. It helps helped him, him jump bit. on my board. You helped him jump on my board right away. That I got, uh, <laughs> He's, he's up a spot. So, so yeah, I was okay. like, okay, well, I guess strategies has changed here, but in reality, um, this actually it's, played into their overall strategy to kind right. of go for the win. Yeah. So the end of the stage, the 14 wins the stage and Ryan is second. Um, and the 14 goes ahead and pits. So now Ryan stays out and takes the, takes the lead for the restart on lap 19. Now lap, you know, 19, 19, you know, lap old tires, everybody, almost everybody else has pitted, <laughs> I don't know who behind him hadn't yet, but there may have been one or two on his strategy. Um, but he leads all the way up to lap 32. And there was, like I said, on Twitter at one point, my wife points out to me that there was somebody, one of the reporters, I want to say it was Jordan. I really do was saying that um, at lap 21, it was his fastest lap of the race. And then uh, he topped it with lap 22. So 22 lap old tires and he ran his fastest laps of the race. So tire fall off was not there whatsoever. So anything else that was going to happen, the rest of the race wasn't about tire fall off. It was actually about the handling of the car drive off. These are the main things that they, that they talk about on the radio uh, before they pit. And if they were ever going to pit again, so that um, they get, uh, you know, all the way to lap 32. And then he goes and pits They do four tires of fuel on this. They show this on TV or at least on the screen there. And 
once again, this is one of those deals where it's waiting on the fuel. Okay. The tire change itself is so fast versus the fuel. And you're, if you're on a certain strategy, you want as much fuel in there as possible so that the next time you come in, you don't need as much fuel and makes that pit stop short. I was definitely appreciative. Um, they did show it on the TV broadcast and I think it was Steve Latart specifically mentioned, okay, they're going to wait on fuel here, which I'm like, thank you, Steve, because, you know, being the manager of the team Blaney account, I always get a lot of heat yeah. <laughs> uh, when it, when it seems like there's been some sort of a misstep with, with misstep with the pit crew or something like that. Uh, but it helps when the TV commentators can actually, sometimes they'll believe them more than me saying they waited on fuel because they needed to pack it full, pack it full. Um, yeah. Sometimes people don't tend to, to believe me, but yeah. they will believe Stevie on there. So I, I appreciate him uh, letting the viewers know what was going on there and that it wasn't a mistake. Yeah, that's good because he's, you know, he is an expert and I understand that, but we're, we're listening to and talking to experts all week long ourselves, you know, um, we have some of our people that we get to talk to on the inside and the, the, you know, this was part of strategy because like I said, later on when you pit, depending on what you're going to do now, you've got more fuel in the car. So now next, now your next stop doesn't have to be quite as long. Um, he ends up coming out about 15th here for lap 34 and the, the stage ends the next lap. Um, He's in 15th. Um, so for the restart at lap 39, after cars coming in and pit and so forth, he's up to 12th. The eight car is P8. Now I start taking notes based on where the eight car is here because the eight car decides to join Ryan's strategy. That's what people don't realize during yep. the, during, during the, maybe during the broadcast, but it was pointed out after the broadcast uh, in a couple of places. At this point, the eight car looks around and goes, their strategy, you know, their true chief crew chief looks around and goes, we're going to run the strategy they're running. Their strategy is actually the one that's going to work um, based on the tire wear and everything. So by lap 50, um, the eight takes the lead and, and Ryan is uh, up to P3. So they had passed a bunch of the other cars ended up pitting. They're looking for their fuel window to get into for their last pit stop of the race, which is only their second, you know, um, the eight, uh, let's see here at lap, let's see lap 50. So at that point, the eight is going to pit um he comes out 15th two laps later ryan pits he was in the lead at that point takes fuel only now here's something i tried to point out to the you know some of the people that were with us at the at the race and uh, you know jerry uh and and his wife kirsten were sitting with us and and you know fuel only you know, oh tires everybody always tires everybody's thinking about tires and that's something that's years and years and years of watching nascar but the tires really didn't have anywhere what's interesting is ryan stalls the car here coming out yeah i mean this stop when they showed it on tv it even took the 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 tv commentators by i mean my jaw dropped i was like oh my god they're going fuel only and i was like mm -hmm. this is awesome this is amazing this is going to bring him out in, in the lead or at least really really close to the lead and then as you said then my heart sunk for a second there yeah. because we have a little bit of a misstep um i don't know an exact amount of time somebody could probably go along i'm sure nascar reddit might figure it out somehow but it's probably two to three seconds but this two to three seconds is literally that position on the track it's one position he if he comes out in front of the eight car he may control the race the rest of the race even with the restarts he would have been in control of the restarts he would have you know shot down into one hopefully had nobody enough close enough behind him where he would have got punted or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he probably would have controlled the rest of the race and it may have been a battle in the last lap or two with him and the eight basically for the position. Um, because even on older tires, once you were in position in front of somebody, you're running the same line that they're going to run. If you're running the, the track correctly, and unless you make a mistake yourself personally, they're not going to get to you. And as long as they're not playing bumper cars with you, um, you should be able to stay in front of them. And after five or 10 laps, those tires are going to equal out a little bit too. So if he would have been able to come out in front of him, I think we're talking about a lot of different stuff uh, today. Um, what happened happened. And uh, you know, I, I, you don't know what happened because it just, it kind of stalled, but it, you know, it had enough gas to get to the end as we find out too. So um, lap 54, he's right behind the eight car. So he does come out on the track. I mean, literally behind him. And like I said, two to three seconds quicker out of the pits without stalling. And he did gain he, because when he went into the pits, they were behind the 20. He did yep. come out in front of the 20, right behind the eight. So right. yeah, without the stall, most likely he comes out just to, as you're saying, just ahead of the eight. 
Yeah. Um, so regardless with the call, he he gains track position here. Um, right. I know he ends up losing it a little bit in a, in a few laps, Yeah. He loses uh, but one, he's been one. proving all race long that you can run on older tires. So I was mm-hmm. not concerned. Jonathan's uh, made some pretty gutsy calls this season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have gone our way. Um, mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. Uh, I know Todd would do that every once in a while too. So um, man, I was excited about it. Excited about the call Jonathan make, made it, it, you know, really pumped me up. Cause I was like, all right, you know, that, you know, before we're running top five, he's, you know, getting closer to the lead with some of the strategy calls here. Um, this, this, when we talked about early in the race, what the strategy would be, this was going for the win. Yeah. You know, and everybody two days, three days later, you know, punt or, you know, they're, they're mad at this person. They're mad at that person. Now everything was actually done correctly here. You know, the only thing that comes up later on has nothing to do with the driver, unfortunately. Um, and uh, he does lose one position at that point, which is actually kind of key to some of these restarts coming up. Being third on the restarts will be actually be the best spot to be in. Um, well, it should be. Uh, we got a caution at lap 60 for the uh, Larson incident. And uh, this was just horrific. It was right in front of us. I say um, right in front of you guys, too. I forgot about that one. But man, man. oh, what a hit. And they're, they're saying that, uh, that the brakes did not fail. They're saying that there was nothing wrong with the throttle getting stuck or anything like that. All they're saying is that he misjudged it. He, he misjudged the braking zone and he ended up um, hitting and, you know, getting just whacked. What I have to say a, is, and other people pointed this out too. It's like, I think we were all in disbelief here. We're like, Oh, it had to be the brakes. Oh, it had to be this. There had to have been some, yeah. some uh, suspension failure. Cause this is Kyle Larson. This is a guy that won 10 races in the championship last year. This is the guy that goes out and wins the Knoxville nationals and the chili bowl. And like, you know, one of the best drivers on the planet. And we were all completely dumbfounded. And it's funny. I don't know if it's funny or not, but like, I don't think a single person watching thought he made a mistake. And it's, and he, you know, after the race, I'm not sure. I mean, he might've been a little shook up. He declined TV interview. He declined the radio interview. Maybe that had something to do with it because he needs to gather his thoughts and, you know, think about what, what did happen. (laughs) Um, But man, thankfully, you know, Ty Dillon's okay. And I mean, it's been a rough couple of weeks for him and then the hits just keep on coming. Um, It's, you don't want to say you're thankful Ty Dillon was there because if he wasn't, um, I don't know where Larson would have ended up. There's, you know, safety vehicles back there. There's actually some people back there um, that, ah, man, I don't know, but man, that was vicious. And they didn't catch it on TV immediately, but thankfully they did have replays of it because on TV, all you saw was a torn up 42 car and then it pans over and then you see the five car kind of spun around. And then, man, when they showed that replay, I don't think anybody was expecting that. No, it, it, um, it just got crazy and you know, it bunches up the field, which is just another thing that's going to, you know, what's about to happen now, all the other restarts going down into one, most of the day, everybody got down there two by two and, and, and did their thing. But, um, you know, so we get, uh, um, you know, the eight leading and, um, Ryan's in third. So the eight takes the inside lane for this restart and, um, you know, the sort of lap 65 to 73 they're in pretty good shape here and you know ryan gives up a, a spot at lap uh, 74 it's back to third again and then at lap 77 we get the debris caution for the the piece of the 20 car falling off and then uh, now we're going to get into some mayhem um <laughs> yeah this was not fun this is kind of when i mean the restarts were kind of crazy all race long but this is basically when guys and even a teammate i think a teammate on this one decides you know we're just going to go seven wide and and see what happens well both restarts we find out later on have to deal with a teammate <laughs> that's that year you are correct yes this first one will be the 22 car um that lap um 80 uh they do the restart ryan is like i said in third at this point and following the eight car and the 22 goes way inside up over the curb from what I understand. And then just basically decides, well, 12 or 16 or whatever tires are better than four and, uh, you know, hits people who hit people. And, uh, Ryan ends up, end up hitting the, hitting the nine yep. because he got, he got punted up into the nine. And this is one of those things that happens to later on with Ryan that, you know, you look at the person next to you and think, oh, he's the one that did it. Yeah but it's a chain reaction that started somewhere behind that because 
what ends up happening, and I and I'll next week I'll have more graphics over here, but I was working on some graphics. Uh I'm working on some things down here. You know, we got guys going into the turn there. Um, so I was working on trying to figure out how to show you what ends up happening is the top two cars, maybe three cars go down into that turn and they're looking at, um, you know, breaking zone and where to break and make their turn into the corner and accelerate off. And the 20 cars behind you are all in the lead lap and they all decide, well, heck with that. I'm going to come up on the inside. I'm going to come up on the outside. I'm going to figure out how to get, you know, into it, under it, around it. Uh, maybe I can get three or four spots somehow. And unfortunately it works sometimes for some yep. of these guys. So that's what they decide to do. And because they decide to do that once, then it's going to happen again. Um, you know, this is something that in the next, we'll get to the next one and then we'll talk about what to do yeah. to fix it. But the, the screenshot, the screenshots, I mean, it's not funny, but it's funny. No, they showed of uh, everybody, everybody coming in and, and attempting to make the turn. And then you see the 22 car pointed straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, well, he was never going to make it. And then yeah. also in this one, um, the, the chain reaction that gets Ryan is really the 24 shoots mm-hmm. to the inside, way inside up over the curbing actually kind of flips up his right side kind of up into the air and then hip hooks right into ryan and then you know ryan you know i think he hits ryan's uh right rear and then ryan you know shoots to the right hits chase and then chase spins around and yeah that's all she said and i mean you know chase was upset i don't know if chase really understood happened in general he wasn't i don't think he was upset at ryan specifically but he basically was just said you know what a day (laughs) yeah um he he was in on his way to potentially get i think like his sixth top two finish of the season if not more at that point um but i was like okay we survived this one our discord chat was you know we were nervous going into this one and then we we're like all right we survived now we got to survive this next restart yeah and uh, and once again in proper yeah. position if you yeah you know, except for the leader the leader's the one i mean you want to be the leader but if you're going to be behind anybody be behind the leader so he's in the third position going behind the eight car going down into the turn. And once again, you watch the restart. I'm sure there, there's videos out there all over the place. And, um, you know, originally Suarez gets blamed, but it's not Suarez. It's the two car. If you watch the replay, watch the two car, because he decides I'm going to bump this one into that one, into this one and take advantage of it. And he's in control of it because he starts the chain reaction. He watches it all unfold in front of him and then moves around it. Um, and it spins, it spins Ryan out and just, just total calamity, um, in, in turn one. And these guys, like I said, they don't care where the braking zone is. Now the lap or the, the, the restart after the second stage or the restep after the first stage, they all do it properly. They know how to do it, but like the quotes that Ryan has in the post race here, uh, you know, they, 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 they took total disregard for each other and how to race um the one car on this restart he decides i'm going to go all the way over that access road over there um we saw people going on down that access road all day and i guess it was supposed to be set up for in case you missed the turn yep you know if you just totally missed the braking zone well to me it looks like the one car if you watch him he slows down like he's gonna break and then he just hits the accelerator yeah which i think is people are complaining like oh people are doing this all day long no penalties um i don't think people accelerated into the into the into that lane uh which i maybe the three did because the three actually does it on this turn as well yeah um i get ross's say he's like you know i was on the you know the outside there was already four or five cars there was no way i was going to make the turn i agree there was no way Mm -hmm. aj who actually aj in that um that lineup there is the one that actually hits ryan i think to really do him in to spin him out Mm -hmm. um aj was already to the inside and in the grass so ross would have been even further to the inside i agree you weren't going to make the turn but don't treat the access access road like that because he gets through there yeah there's calamity that happens in real turn one but you can't come out side by side with the leader and expect that you know you missed that turn completely and they're going to be okay with that sit there a little i mean i know all heat of the moment he's making these decisions in a split second yeah but sit there and at least come back out in around fifth where you were running before or maybe a spot yeah. behind there and then go, but that's not what they're thinking. I mean, I think at that point he just wants to, you know, if I, I they call it like, you know, I did people did this all day long and you, maybe I will have a shot at the win. I'm so glad he did not wreck 
the eight car in, in yeah. the process or the eight car didn't wreck himself in the process, trying to battle him for nothing. You, you know what they always say about that? Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but so we're just going to do what we're going to do. And then we'll say, I'm sorry later on, instead of going, Oh, should I be doing this? Can I do this? No, we just say, let's do it. And then later on, I'll apologize to whoever I got to apologize to whether it's a legit apology or not. So, um, um, back to the, the Ryan incident in this deal, there's a really good video. I know we're kind of breaking down this, this restart. There's a really good video on NBC, uh, NASCAR and NBC's Twitter. And I know I've retweeted it from the team Blaney account of Jeff Burton going over the restart kind of in slow motion explaining, you know, they come off, they, they, they come to the green. Um, Ryan goes low to block Suarez. And I think his actual move there was really just to block Suarez who was trying to go low. And then Reddick goes low to block in front of Ryan. Reddick moves back toward the middle and Ryan follows him. And that's actually opens the door for Suarez. So one thing in the discord, um, it can get fun in there. (laughs) Sometimes immediately Mm -hmm. people are saying like, you know, Ryan, you know, he should have known. Why didn't he keep protecting the inside? Why didn't he protect the inside? Uh, To me, there's a couple of restarts there, especially one of the other ones where Ryan shot the middle and gained. And I think Mm -hmm. he went to go for that move again and the door closed. And when the door closed, Suarez was to the inside. So people want to blame Suarez. And obviously Ryan (laughs) thinks it was Suarez's fault. He gets spun. Mm -hmm. You know, Daniel, actually, it was really only Ryan, Daniel and um, AJ and three wide going into that turns. Okay. Usually Mm -hmm. they can make that. They probably would have made it. Um, AJ Mm -hmm. was still going to clip the grass a little bit, but I think they would have made it but you're right. The two car just comes in there, doesn't stop. And uh, he was being put, I mean, to be fair, the two's getting pushed a little bit too from behind. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to totally blame it on the two, but he's the one that hits the 99, the 99, you know, goes, ends up sandwiching Ryan in AJ and AJ tries to come back from the grass and clips Ryan in the left rear Ryan spins. This is one of those examples. And I've been in this and not that I racing is real, but I've been in this position and I racing where I was hoping Ryan would just cut the wheel, right? Because AJ was still moving through. I'm like, man, if he cuts the wheel, right, he could just get going straight mm-hmm. again. Straight but again. the spin just keeps continuing. And then what happens happens. It's the unfortunate part about this whole thing was um, the nine spun had that issue. Ross gets disqualified, not disqualified, but you know, he gets a 32nd penalty gets sent to the mm-hmm. rear of the field. Uh, Truex had an issue with a tire, I believe, right at the end of the race as well. He was all the way back. Ryan was going to gain so much in points here mm-hmm. if we get through this restart clean, even if he doesn't win. Uh, but if we get through this restart clean, man, the, the points that were left on the table because of the spin were just heartbreaking. Although um, he does pass the one car in the standings this week um, based on the, what they do, the one car uh, penalizing him 30 seconds or whatever is putting him back in 27th. Um, so Ryan gains a spot on him on the track. Ryan also has those stage points from the second, the first stage where he finished second and other guys didn't get those stage points because they were racing differently on their different strategies. So he's back to second in the standings, which once again, improves his, uh, his playoff, uh, standings too, moves him up into the top, uh, five in the playoff standings. If the playoffs were to start today. So, um, you know, it's not the finish you want. And, and mind you though, the, the, the drive of, of Ryan and his car all day were in the top five, in the top three, in the top two, led the race for a bunch of laps. So we're not talking about, he lucked into anything. He was there. He showed off that he could do it. He showed off that they had the, the speed they needed. Um, and the finish is not what you want. Uh, like I said, there's a couple of quotes afterward about that, but that I'm sure you're going to read here in a second, but, uh, overall the day is a really good day except for that finish you know so we brought up the the tire wear a little bit earlier and that was one of the first things i had um i won't call it heated but i had a a spirited debate with some folks in the in the discord chat and i admittedly and i've said this before i'm for the most part um when it comes to ryan things i'm going to look on the positive side of things or i'm not really into the sky is falling type thing Um, or I don't really question too much strategy wise. I thought the call for, for fuel and only was amazing. The stall did kind of hurt things a little bit here, but immediately it was, if he had new tires, if he had the fresh tires, 
the, you know, the spin never would have happened because he would have been, you know, better able to handle the breaking zones or he would have been in a better position or, um, you know, even though he would have come out much further behind, behind the 20, probably maybe behind another car if he took tires on that stop where they went fuel only. Oh, well, he would have, his car was so fast, he would have driven back up through the field and he probably could have passed the eight on the track and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And I'm like, man, you know, and then Ryan immediately comes out after the race and he has a couple of big quotes here and I don't have this one specifically in front of me, but he said multiple times, the tires did not matter. Like new tires weren't going to help me. Um, just, just because of the way the restarts played out in the end, we're talking about maybe, you know, breaking zones being an issue. Yeah. If it went green, um, mm-hmm. maybe he would have gotten caught and passed a little bit more if this race goes green actually, because, uh, without having fresher tires that could hinder you a little bit in the situation they're in here means absolutely nothing because we have these quick restarts and you don't really have time to get spread out a little bit and actually race. Um, in this case, the, the, the big quote here that was shared everywhere, multiple news outlets uh, based stories on them. And I've shared all those stories on the team Blaney account. Um, Ryan's fired up. Uh, we didn't mention it yet. He does actually, after this race, and they showed this on the Peacock version of the post-race show, Ryan goes and spins Suarez out. Uh, which in the past, those two have been amigos. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure everything will be fine. I'm sure Ryan watched the uh, replay and um, maybe saw things slightly a little bit more different. Maybe still didn't agree with the way Suarez got to the inside anyway, but I don't think it was completely malicious. But so Suarez gets spun out. Ryan's pretty heated. Uh, From what I understand, people were saying at the end of the race, he was pretty, he was silent on the radio. (laughs) So I'm just picturing the like, da da until he goes and spins whereas mm-hmm. gets out of the car you know they put the mic in his face because that's what's going to happen post-race he's heated up ryan says it's a case of just getting wrecked that's all people do at the end of these things just dive in there and wreck you i don't know who shoved and who i don't know who shoved who and i don't care we restarted top three both times it's just a matter of getting through on the restart but apparently that's a hard thing to ask. Mm-hmm. So he basically said, I don't care who shoved who, which maybe someone had pointed out that maybe Suarez didn't, wasn't the one yeah. that hooked him, but well, um, he doesn't care at this point. He's running mm-hmm. top three. He said, you know, in previous weeks, the window is closing. There's only two more spots to get in the playoffs here. Yes. He has an okay point stay that could have been better, but he, the, the regular season championship, unless Elliot completely implodes, the whole rest of the way, which yeah. is not likely is, is mm-hmm. out of reach basically. So now you're racing true X for the final spots in the points. So he's frustrated. The team made some great calls in this race, but it still didn't work out because the style of racing that we saw on the road course at the end. Um, so a lot of talk here about a lack of respect um, across the board, all the drivers uh, we're talking about this, but, and they're all kind of in this position, but well, that's how we have to race. That's the box mm-hmm. that we're in. So we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Harvick, uh, Harvick had a good quote at one point early in the race. He got messed up and um, he wanted to know who, you know, and they told him what was about five guys. And he says, give me all their names. I want to get to get to all of them, you know? <laughs> and, but Ryan even said in, you know, he, the day after he puts a little quote out too, and he says, it didn't work out quite like we wanted, but we were in position there late in the race. And that's all you can ask for. There have been points and times where, you know, you'd rather be lucky than good, but you have to be there. You have to be good enough to be there to begin with. And uh, the, the Roval win is a great example of that, you know, he was running third, you know, but he was running third. There were 30 other guys behind him that weren't running third, you know, so he did good enough from that day to be there. He was good enough on this day to, to be there at the end too. And uh, just the, the 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 actual finish doesn't show that's all so steve are, are, are we pretty much wrapped up with this i know i know you, you we've talked before i mean we teased it a little bit earlier i think they're going to go back to the road course next year i, I don't think they yeah. could deny the tv ratings no. i do agree that i missed the prestige of racing on the, the oval i'm not i have no idea if the next gen cars will be better or not i feel feel like they might need to tweak the package a little bit to, to slow them down a little bit to keep them closer together and make passing possible but that's not up to me. And I, I, I just don't see that the crowd was decent for yeah. this type of race and the rating TV ratings were through the roof. So I, I saw a lot of people to suggest to go single file restart and that sort of kind of works, but you still want to be double file. Really? 
I have an idea and I heard it actually by some other people too. start uh, the, the, I don't know where the access road is for, for pit road, but when the car pulls off the access road, somewhere right back there, have the restart. So they're still double file and in the turns so that they don't get quite the complete run that they get going down that straightaway, or it's such a run that they spread out a little bit going down the straightaway. If they can get spread out a little bit, just a little bit going down into one, you're not going to have everybody dogpiling into each other. It just won't be possible. Um, the actually will be actually kind of interesting because they'll have more momentum. They will have been green the whole straightaway, not green from the bricks on. So if they're green, the whole straightaway going down into there, they're going to have to break. You can't go in there flying in there quite, a, quite the same way. So I think something like that would do it. Of course, you know, everybody's going to be wanting their, their restart at the bricks, restart at the bricks, but no, let's restart back there in an, in the turn so that we have some semblance of sanity when we get down to turn one, because, uh, I like side-by-side -side racing, but I don't like five wide when four of the five guys are just piling in there and they're not even trying to race you against your car. They're just racing uh, against uh, whether or not they're going to hit you and how hard they're going to hit you. Um, that, that's the, that's the change. You know, once again, this, like I said earlier, this is one of those things you're going to you know, tweak something from next year, this year, the next year, that's one of those things you're going to have to tweak. So I think that pretty much wraps up our recap of Ryan's run the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Uh, it didn't end up being the day that the team was looking for, uh, but they're going to keep fighting in the next place. They're going to keep fighting at is a race that I've been looking forward to this year uh, for a multitude of reasons, especially since the race that we had at uh, one of its sister tracks at California, the NASCAR cup series is heading up to the Irish Hills of Michigan for the Firekeepers Casino 400 this Sunday, August 7th at Michigan International Speedway. You can catch the race at 3 p.m. Eastern time back on the USA Network and MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now, Ryan is the defending winner of this race. It was an incredible race last year. Obviously, that happened in the Gen 6 car. Now we are racing the next gen car. Uh, but as I just mentioned, that race out of California, which is a very similar track to Michigan, that race was awesome. And I'm hoping that it translates when they go to this race at Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that, you know, Ryan and Josh Williams can team up again um, and, and get them to victory lane. Now, if we're looking at Ryan's overall stats at Michigan, he's made 13 starts there since 2015. You have to remember uh, all the years up until last year, they visited Michigan twice a year. Now Michigan lost its second race date, so they only go once a year. 13 starts, he has one win, four top fives, six top tens, an average start of 9.4, and an average finish of 15. So, but last uh, summer... He went out there to Michigan and they went and won that race. And uh, we were cheering because that was win number two of the season. And boy, we didn't even know what we were looking at when we got to Daytona uh, after that race too. So yeah. um, that was a huge amount of momentum for the 12 team last year. And they really need a win and why not do it in Ford's backyard in Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. No one took the bottom and uh, he said, thank you. Last, <laughs> he did. Last year. Um, <laughs> You know, you, you brought up the California track and, and the package. Um, yes, they're running that engine package, but from discussions I've had in the last couple of days um, with, uh, with just, uh, you know, messaging back and forth here, Josh uh, Williams message back to him forth with him. Um, he believes it's going to race like Atlanta, even though they're not running tapered spacers. So I think that's interesting. Uh, he, 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 he said the same, uh, same thing. Um, uh, talked to uh, Justin, uh, over the weekend too he said the same thing too that they're they're looking at um that's okay with me right yeah, <laughs> ryan like, runs great like, in those races so bring it on races so uh, i find it interesting because they're not running tapered spacers so are they going to get kind of bundled up a little bit and have to run like that i you know michigan the one thing about michigan compared to atlanta is michigan there's room to do it um you know it's five and six wide on a restart there no problem there's more than enough room so um, can't wait to see what that looks like. Um, also this is the first week, uh, post, uh, Toyota, uh, Gibbs Toyota penalties. Um, I mean, last week, yeah, they, they, they got caught two weeks ago, but the road course isn't going to necessarily show uh, this will be a track that will show 
how much a difference that tape made. Uh, and we're going to see how they run in dirty air. And then we're going to see how, um, how much that seam was covered up a little bit with that tape and, and so on and so forth. So can't wait to see what happens with the Toyota camp uh, this weekend. And uh, all of a sudden, maybe the Fords are going to be a little bit faster than people think. What do you think the move that Joe Gibbs racing made by sitting that nose out in front of the hauler this weekend? That's, that's fine. I mean, that's actually smart. That's actually one of those mm-hmm. things like, you know what, here it is. Here's what we've been doing. Here's what it is. Um, everybody will now know. Um, but a lot of people uh, had been seeing things on pit road. I think I had mentioned that last week when we talked about it, that uh, the word on the street was that, some of the people kind of saw the nose of the car and it looked funky to them to begin with. And I think it was just a matter of time before NASCAR got to take a good look at it. Like they've been told, told by some numerous people and uh, they finally got the best opportunity to take a look at it. And then they put their foot down on it hard. So let's not do anything stupid like that between here and the end of the year for anybody. And it was uncovered via NASCAR Reddit, I believe, that um, it most likely was on all of the Joe Gibbs cars because they have a video, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe teams won't be doing this anymore. Uh, they had a video of a Martin Truex Jr. car having its wrap put on and the team, their social media accounts like doing the, you know, the the play-by-play of the wrap yeah, being yeah. being put together on a car <laughs> and someone screenshots it and you can see the tape right on the nose. I know Denny yeah. Hamlin was on door bumper clear and I don't know whether it was a joke or not, but he said uh, the 2311 cars did not have it on their car, but I mean, he's not, even if they did, he's not going to say that they did. Right. Yeah. Um, but so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this is the first track that they're getting to where, where speed really matters, but I thought it was a really good move. Uh, seemed like an old school move to me because I know NASCAR used to do this. They used to sit the illegal parts and things out that they would catch in, in front of their hauler. So it's almost like an old school move for JGR to do that by sitting that out there. Um, the other thing to note where you said maybe NASCAR was kind of tipped off that it was in there. They put a rules bulletin out a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that specifically highlighted that area of the rule book and said, like, do not do this. And I think they thought that maybe would send the message that, you know, we know this is happening. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. They left it on the car anyway. And maybe it was by mistake. They didn't think about it. So, um, but anyway, we don't want to delve too much into that because it didn't affect the Fords. And I think Roger Penske was asked about it over the weekend. And he kind of just said, you know, they didn't want to say too much because, you know, we've been caught uh, doing some stuff in the past too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's always my thing. I don't want to, you know, uh, celebrate when somebody gets disqualified because you never know, you know, that I sweat it. Uh, until uh, it, Claire Lang or, or Bob makes that tweet that says everybody's through post-race inspection. Usually I hear it on the radio when I'm listening to the post-race show. Um, I know when Suarez won that race at Code or at, uh, at Sonoma, my wife is celebrating because she's a huge Suarez fan and I was just sweating. I was like, oh man, she's so excited, but man, he better pass post-race inspection. Um, so, but anyway, uh, again, we're heading up to Michigan this week with the NASCAR Cup Series for the Firekeepers Casino 400 this Sunday, August 7th. You can catch the race 3 p.m. Eastern time on the USA Network and on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So, Steve, let's jump into a recap of the week that was in fantasy racing, which I have to say, there was points in this race, and I know I shouldn't check the, the standings as we run, where my team was doing awesome. Uh, and there must have been when Chase was up there and, and a few other guys uh, we're up there. I was running top five. Um, it's, I guess my bonus picks were all doing well at that point. Uh, but things after we went through turn one, a few different times at the end of this race took a huge turn for my team into complete disaster. Uh, while others being your team worked out well. So let's go through, uh, what kind of turned out into a bad day for my fantasy racing team. My starters were chase Elliott, Austin Sindrick, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, and Ryan Blaney. Everybody on there had a, had a pretty decent shot of winning that race. Reddick did win, so that's the only one that I had. Ryan was running in the top five on that last restart. Suarez was running in the top five on that rest, last restart. Sindrick does end up with the top five in this race after all that, that mess. And then obviously uh, between Bowman, Ryan, and then the contact with Chase that spins him takes – chase Elliott out of contention there i left ross chastain in the garage which that worked out okay because he was penalized at the end anyway this is a huge misstep for me where the featured matchups i picked chastain 
over Hamlin. That was wrong. I picked Chase Elliott over Larson. That one actually worked. That's the only one that I got here. Uh, Truex, I picked over Briscoe. Or no, sorry, Briscoe, I picked over Truex. That did not work out. And then I picked Ryan over Tyler Reddick, and that really didn't work out. So um, unfortunately, I fell pretty far in the standings uh, for points earned this week at Indy. Now you, on the other hand, things were looking up, and I want to hear what this lineup was. Yeah, um, we had Cindric, uh, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, and Christopher Bell. Um, so point getters wise, like you know, Tyler ended up being the top point getter of the day, and then Kyle was the third best, and I had the uh, Cindric and Bell were tied for seventh best. Elliott was ninth best in points gained. So once again, the road courses are tough because you know some of these guys don't race for stage points, and then their finishes and and so forth, um, and the only thing I messed up, uh, you know, I messed up some of the picks and Chastain was one of them. At one point I was second in the standings, but then yep. they changed Chastain's finish. Yeah. So that, that changed me in the stands just a little bit. It tweaked me down a little bit, but that's fine. Um, Chase Elliott, I had, and then I had Briscoe and I had Ryan and that was not good. Um, but, um, you know, overall, uh, you know, pretty good uh, day for me. So let's go over that in the uh, let's go in the top 10 in points earned this past week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league and a tie for the 10th position. We have Rochi 12 in the Dalai Lama four with 188 points in ninth. We have Don Dom, the Blaney fan, 190 points in a wow. One, two, three, four in a five, one, two, three, four, five, six, five way, six way tie here for the fourth position. Joe Bro, twelve twenty-two, who is a member of the Discord chat. Uh, Caroline Racer, Carolina Racer, twelve. Vincent, twelve. B Rye, twelve, and your team Mez, twelve. All in the fourth position with one hundred and ninety-two points earned. Uh, in third, Bulldog, zero two seven seven, one hundred and ninety-six points, and then tied for first in points earned this past week at the Indy Road Course. We have Math Mom, four, and Factory of Sadness, two hundred and four points. Let's switch over to the overall league standings. Let's go to the top 10. Two Bushes, no Johnsons in 10th with 4,022 points. In 9th, we have Bulldog 0277, 4,023 points. In 8th, Eric D15, 4,034 points. Just behind in 7th, or just ahead in 7th, Blaney Kicks, beep, 4,035 points. In 6th, Factory of Sadness, 4,082 points. In 5th, Moose Hunter 1960, 4,094 points. In fourth, the Dalai Lama, four, 4,103 points. In third, the defending champion, Clyde Chicken Pit Racing, 4,137 points. In second, Math Mom, four, 4,168 points. And rounding out in the first position, everyone's chasing them, Fry Gal, 12, 4,252 points. Um, you've made a move here this week up into the top 20. Mez 12 in the overall standings, 19th position, 3,915 points. And I am still in the 30s here, holding down a 33rd position. Team Blaney host Adam, 3,751 points. So um, now I'm, I'm going to assume that uh, Fry Gal 12 is a female, uh, but we have two women, it seems, uh, leading the, the point standings here in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, which I think is really cool to see. Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing is right there in the third position, uh, trying to go after and win back-to-back championships in the Fantasy League. So we just talked about Michigan. We're heading up there. I think Ryan is going to be a lock for my team as the defending winner of this race. And if it does get Speedway-style racing, you know, he's one of those teams that you're going to want to look at. Uh, I would assume you know, when we're talking about speed, either of the two track house cars would be probably good to go into your lineup. Um, I'm hesitant to put any other Fords in the lineup. Cause I just don't know uh, how things are going to go speed wise, but um, anybody else that you would, you would target the Hendrick cars, maybe. Um, you know what, uh, Denny, Denny, just Denny B Denny. Um, the 18 also, but once again, I, I can't wait to see how practice and qualifying goes for the Toyotas, especially the Gibbs Toyotas. Uh, Tyler Reddick is now on a roll. So, you know, the confidence is there. Um, a sleeper might be somebody like the 24, you know, it's the kind of track that Byron, uh, just all of a sudden he's fast and then he's out in front of everybody. Um, it's kind of interesting. They put the matchups, um, 
the fantasy matchups are already in there for this week. You know, you got Riddick versus Hamlin, Ryan versus Byron on finish, uh, the four versus the 22, which is interesting. I, I, the, the four is a car that, you know, needs the win obviously, but I, I don't know if they have what it takes to win uh, be a top 10 car. Yes. Maybe be top five at the end of the race. Yes. Um, but I know about, about winning the race, but like you said, then the last matchup is the 99 and the 23 and the 23 is another one. You know, he finished fifth this past week. Um, on a bit of a roll too, three straight top yeah. 10 finishes. Yeah. So, but once again, I think, are they a top 10 car? Yeah. Are they a top five car? Maybe, but are they a winning car? Not unless some things really happen. I don't think so. Uh, I think this is one of those weekends though, that, uh, the two or three of the Penske cars show up. Um, it's, I think definitely be Joey and Ryan, um, you know, Cindric may, may get there too. He's starting to get more confidence now going into the playoffs too. So, and then look at the 21 car, uh, at his best finish at, at Indy. So, you know, look for him. Uh, the, like I said, they're all the, all the Fords are actually, you know, this is the type of track where they do well. So practice qualifying Saturday, let's see what, how they line them up. And then, uh, I'll put a, put together my lineup Sunday morning, ready to rock. Sounds good to me. Unless I'm missing something, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney, also on Instagram at team.blaney. Um, and also, finally, we talked about them at the top of the show. We want to remind you and encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, championed by Ryan and his family, supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association, as they did this past week at Indy, and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on any of their active social media channels. Yeah, yeah pay attention in the next couple of weeks because, like I said, they're going to be announcing some other type things where they're going to do things at tracks coming up um and you'll have a chance probably to, to have some nice little bit of access and uh some the, the, the purple stuff is really cool to wear um it was really cool to see everybody wearing purple this weekend uh at that uh, at that q a uh, sunday morning so for my co-host steve mez i'm adam rogers we'll catch you next time right here on the team Blaney podcast good night brussels good night dublin <laughs>